Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome into Birdland tonight. I am your host, Andrew Stetka from Utah Street Report, joined tonight by Jimmy from Bleacher Birds. Jimmy, aside from the results of that game that we just watched, how are you doing this evening? Well, aside that game, Sam, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to the next game already. Yeah, which the Orioles will get a quick turnaround. They will be uh, back out there to close out this series against the Yankees tomorrow afternoon at Oriole Park. But before we get to that, got to talk about this one. It is a 7 Nothing defeat to the New York Yankees tonight. Uh, it just didn't go for well from the start in this one. Um, Domingo Herman comes out and throws seven scoreless, uh, gives up three hits, strikes out six, walks just one. Uh, he was really the story of this game tonight for the Yankees. He dominated from, from the start. Uh, what did you see from the Oriole bats in this one as uh, they simply couldn't get anything done? Saw a lot of swings and misses. Um, you know, at, I feel like a lot of these guys are, we're seeing a lot of low batting averages. We're seeing a lot of uh, low hit numbers, a lot of low power numbers. Maybe it's still the fact that it's early in the season, um, but it was 80 degrees today. So we can't blame the game on cold weather. Uh, they also weren't swinging uh, towards the low part of the strike zone, which uh, all the batters were rather animated during uh, when they were swinging for those pitches or not swinging for those pitches kind of, pointing out where they felt the strike zone should have been. Um, but they're just, they're either not aggressive or they're too aggressive. There's no common between. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I thought, you know, even from an aggressiveness versus non-aggressiveness standpoint, I thought Domingo Herman, as much as we don't want to credit this guy because everyone knows his backstory, but I thought he just pitched brilliantly. I mean, he was painting the corners, um, really locating his pitches. Um, even, even Jim Palmer on the mass and broadcast seemed to, um, be a little bit dazzled at the way he was able to hit the edges, um, had a lot of movement, uh, a lot of swings and misses, um, didn't record his first, first strikeout until the fourth inning. So the Orioles were going up there and being aggressive early on putting the ball in play. It was all just weak contact. And, um, 
you know, when you can't get any runs, you're not going to win a game. Obviously um, the Orioles did only manage to get four hits throughout the entire game. So uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that if the bats don't going, it doesn't matter what your pitcher does uh, on the mound. Um, and we will get to Dean Kramer here in a moment, but you know, base hits this evening from two of them from Trey Mancini, including his 500th of his career. We saw there in the ninth inning, uh, Pedro uh, Severino, Ryan Mountcastle, and then DJ Stewart managed to draw a walk. That was all the offense that the Orioles could manage. And this is an offense as a whole that we have seen struggle. I'm curious, Jimmy, what do you think about the way, obviously we came into this season thinking that this lineup for the Orioles might be its strength. Um, it, it seemed to be, especially even in spring training, and we can take spring training for what it's worth. It, they're, they're just practice games. They don't count. But this lineup was at least producing uh, top to bottom and, and able to produce some, some, some runs and at least some base runners. But this offense has really been stagnant for, throughout the first month of the season for the most part. Yeah, and you've got to look at who we've played already. So we've played the Yankees. We've played the Yankees a couple of times. We've played the Red Sox. You know, we've played Oakland. So we've played some good baseball teams. Um, so we're going up against good pitching. Say so the other thing is in spring training, you're seeing a lot of <clears throat> uh, minor league guys, a lot of guys that may or may not make the team, a lot of guys that are working on some different pitches. Uh, and now the season started and it's game on. Uh, you know, again, we wanted to go ahead and blame the cold weather at first. Uh, I'm still trying to get Ryan Malcastle to hit a fly ball other than the warning track. Um, and when he does, I will gladly celebrate that and jump up yeah. and hit on the wall, and it'll be fantastic. But, you know, it it's almost becoming predictable now. Even the base hit that Mountcastle had in this game, the single was an infield single down the line to third base that he was able to beat out uh, a clean single. And that was actually the one that uh, broke up the no hitter that we all thought we were going to see at one point in this one in the fifth inning. Uh, that is just kind of uh, what Domingo Herman had working for him in this one. Uh, Michael King came on and pitched the final two innings for the Yankees uh, scoreless as well, obviously. Um, let's kind of shift it over because the, the Orioles, like I said, from an offensive standpoint, there was nothing doing. They, they struck out eight times um, just a couple of base hits. Uh, you know, even, even with a guy like Cedric Mullins who went over four, who came into this game uh, tied for the, for the major league lead in base hits, he couldn't get anything going. Um, you know, we, 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 let's talk about the pitching though, because Dean Kramer returned uh, from his brief stint in the minor leagues. He was down there for about 10 days after being optioned following his last start. Of course, everyone kind of freaked out when he was optioned after the, the last start in Texas, but the Orioles had that weird schedule last week with the two off days, the two games in Miami. So the fifth starter was simply not going to be needed. So not a big deal. Kramer returns uh, and, you know, kind of wasn't great in this one. It was a lot of hard hit balls. Um, you know, I thought he was just simply not locating his pitches well enough. He goes four and a third innings, gives up 10 base hits charged with six runs. Uh, one of those was an inherited runner, uh, that Sean Armstrong a lot after he came in, but uh, four strikeouts gave up two home runs in this one. What did you make of of Kramer's performance in his return from a little bit of a lengthier layoff? Obviously, he was throwing still and 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 with the team still uh, kind of on that taxi squad, but um, hadn't pitched in a in a major league game uh, in about a week and a half. Well, you know, you you hate to say it, but maybe we were onto something when we all overreacted and I'm using the uh, quotation fingers, which yeah. Josh will appreciate on the, uh, on a podcast, but uh, <clears throat> you know, we didn't really overreact when he was sent down. 
maybe we've reacted appropriately because <laughs> you know it just I, I don't know maybe it was something towards his uh towards his attitude that you know what do they call it a uh a blow to his ego that he got sent down even though it was just you know again just a baseball move it that right. very well could have caused some sort of a uh you know, a, a mental ego issue or something of that sort. And he came in, wasn't necessarily uh, as confident in himself as he could have been. And honestly, we saw a lot of hard hit balls tonight. You know, we saw two home runs, but every single ball that was coming off that bat seemed like it was being stroked with power, like the complete opposite of what we were seeing from the Orioles. Not all of them off Dean Kramer tonight, but eight balls by the Yankees hit over 100 miles per hour. So you're, you're spot on on that. Um, ironically enough, the hardest hit ball of the night came off the bat of Giancarlo Stanton and it was not his single in the third inning. It was actually his double play in the first inning, 119 mile point four miles per hour off the bat that, uh, that Michael Franco picked and, and, and ended up making a double play out of, which was an, an incredible play. And I guess if you want to talk about any kind of highlight for the Orioles tonight, that would have been it. Uh, second batter of the game, Stanton comes up and, and smokes a ball down down to third where uh, Franco is able to make the stop and, and turn it into a double play. But you're right about that. A lot of, a lot of hard contact, a lot of hard hit balls. And um, it just wasn't what you want to see from Kramer. And you mentioned Kramer the last time out against Texas. Uh, that was that road that I believe that Saturday game uh, in, in Arlington, he threw a, a four and two thirds innings, which was a season high at, the, at that point um, and only gave up one run on five hits. Uh, struck out six in that game in in that shortest span. So it was pretty much his best performance to date, um, but then got optioned the roster move, you know, the, the roster manipulation, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's kind of just, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I agree with that. It was a, a, a bruise was eagle or something, but perhaps just the layoff in general from actually pitching in, in a game was something that, you know, these guys we know are creatures of habit and uh, like to be on the mound every few days. And it's not that he wasn't throwing or pitching bullpen sessions uh, during his time. You know, I don't want to say away from the team because he was still around the team, but off the active roster, um, maybe that had something to do with it. And then obviously you're coming back to face a Yankees team, which is very potent. I mean, even without the likes of Aaron Judge in the lineup tonight, without the likes of Gary Sanchez in the lineup tonight, um, you know, this is still a Yankees team that despite despite the fact that they came into this game tonight with an with an equal 10 and 13 record to the Orioles, uh, they are still a potent offense and obviously expected to be uh, American League East champ, uh, champions by the end of the season, perhaps. So uh, it, this is a good team that, that, that Kramer was facing and um, he paid for it mightily with with missing locations and things like that. So. Yeah, so uh, so Kramer looked Kramer looked looked how he was. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Tyler Wells, though. So I thought Tyler Wells was pitching well, well, pitching well, ironically enough, up until that uh, home run that he gave up to, of all people, Clint Frazier. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Clint Frazier, for what it's worth, he's a Major League Baseball player, but he's not Giancarlo Stanton. He's not Aaron Judge. He's not, you know, all these – he's not the power hitter that we thought – uh, that you think of when you see the Yankees. And that was the last person that I expected to go ahead and hit a bomb off of him. So it, just poor pitch, I think, for that one uh, one pitch from Wells. But otherwise, I really like the way he was pitching tonight. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It was the one blemish uh, in the two innings he he pitched, struck out two. Um, and I I do think he the thing I liked about Wells was that he was working quickly. He wasn't you know toying around. He was getting the ball, firing it back in, um, really trying to move things along. Obviously, you'd like to not give up the home run, but those kinds of things are going to happen. I think it's notable too that this bullpen, you know, even though they get the one run charged against them tonight with Wells and giving up the home run. This bullpen has been very good. In fact, they've entering the game tonight. They had a three ERA, uh, fifth best in the major leagues. So <clears throat> that's kind of, I, I think, what I was alluding to earlier about the offense and the struggles of the offense. It's been very interesting to me that that's the part of of this team we all thought would be the strong suit. Instead, it's actually kind of been the bullpen. The bullpen has been, you know, holding its own. And when the starting pitching has been able to go a little bit deeper in games that's when you've seen the Orioles be able to get some wins. So if Tyler Wells, you know, the rule five pick can be hidden in that bullpen well enough, like he kind of, you know, gets to come out and throw two innings tonight in a, in a blowout game. Um, I think those are the kinds of things you'd like to see a bullpen produce and, and be able to do in the, over the long haul. And, and that's, those are the kinds of things, obviously the starting pitching will have to be better, but if you want to see the bullpen be do good things and continue to do good things, those are the kinds of performances you need. Yeah, absolutely. Saying I'm just I'm looking forward to see how he develops throughout the season. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about it. Um, I, I did want to touch on a, a few quick injuries before we take we'll we'll take a short break and then I, I have some other things for, to touch on with you. But um, we got some news today. Uh, Anthony Santander probably going to be about another four weeks with a sprained ankle, uh, and then Freddie Galvis missed his second straight game after the groin injury. Still hasn't made a, an injury list move there, but we will have to play that out. Um, Pat Valeka did start his second straight game at shortstop, so um, and 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 that was an adventure in itself. I can see your reaction to to my mentioning Pat Valeka. Yeah, Go ahead. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Pat Valeka, and um, you know he he goes ahead and makes he fields a ground ball. He makes a little spin move, and you see this so often from guys where they make the spin move, they go ahead, and they make the throw. He makes a spin move. He makes the throw. It's in the dirt, nowhere near his target. They're lucky that the ball didn't bounce into the well. Um, of course, uh, Jim Palmer and uh, Kevin Brown talked about that for about 25 minutes after the fact. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it just defense isn't helping us. We seem like we have one or two good plays a game and then the yeah. everyday plays that you expect to see. I, I'd love to see the... Uh, the statistic that the excuse me baseball nerds uh, know about the uh, know about the defense, but there it doesn't seem like it's helping us any in any of these games right now. And Pat Vileka, I didn't like the call up when it happened originally. I don't like the I don't like the call up now. Um, I don't know what the answer was, but I don't think it was Pat Vileka. Well, I can tell you as I, I wouldn't call myself one of the baseball nerds, but I do have some some stats for you if you want them. They don't come from the infield, however, which <clears throat> to your to your point, you, we see some special plays. I mentioned the, the the Michael Franco play early in the game on the on the hard hit ball from Stanton to turn the double play. That's an incredible play that we can we can take note of. But you're right. Plays like Vileka made are, are, are not what you want. Um, and it is surprising that he didn't give up the extra base because the ball, I think there might have been some netting on that camera well that stopped it from going in or something. It might have been some protective netting, I thought yeah, I saw. But um, up a little bit. yeah, un- unclear about that. But but the Orioles outfield is actually where the, the defense has has kind of 
come through for them surprisingly enough. And I don't I don't know about that's even surprising um, because we know that the Orioles have some decent outfielders on this roster, but they've combined for five defensive runs saved uh, according to base fo- baseball info solutions, uh, which is tied for the second most in the major leagues behind uh, Kansas City and Boston. So um, they are, you know, able to, we, we've seen quite a few instances in the outfield of guys being thrown out, um, not only at home, but, but around the bases. So I think that is a, a, one of the strong points of, you know, of this team from a defensive standpoint, um, and some of the things they can do. Um, I, I want to go back really quickly to the injury thing, because I mentioned the outfield Santander being out another four weeks is tough. The other thing that we we, we kind of came out news-wise today about the Orioles, uh, Brandon Hyde spoke a little bit about Ryan Mountcastle and his struggles. And obviously Mountcastle DH tonight, but we've seen him in the outfield. We've seen him a little bit of him at first base. What are your thoughts on the, the Mountcastle of it all? I know we did get a hit tonight, the infield hit we mentioned, but there's been a lot of talk about whether or not you ride this thing out or you try and option him to the alternate site and get him right. Brandon Hyde says he's going to stick with him and let him play through it. But is that something that you agree with or disagree with? So I'm, I'm so glad that you brought this up, say, because again, say we definitely uh, mentioned this in our podcast this week and we went on for quite a while about this. And uh, I am of the belief of send him down to, uh, as the boys called it, project Bowie, Uh, (laughs) let him go ahead and straighten out and then come on back up. Uh, you know, we saw it last year with Austin Hayes. We saw it last year with DJ Stewart. We saw it, um, the extended version with Cedric Mullins. But, <clears throat> you know, just with what we saw in Hayes and Stewart, it clearly they've got some sort of game plan recently uh, of how to go ahead and turn this around for these guys. And I, I just think that's what Mountcastle needs. He needs that constant focus directly on him. Um, that one-on-one coaching that he needs to have. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And really, you know, I'm a believer in Mountcastle, and I have full faith that he can go ahead and he can turn it around. But he just, he needs to step back. He needs to take a breath. He needs to just go ahead and get that focused coaching and then just come back to the game. And there's a spot for him. It's not like he's going to lose his spot. He'll never be back on his team. Right. And the reason I tie that into kind of the, the injury discussion is because if Santander is going to be out for perhaps another month, um, there's obviously there's a, there's room in the lineup, like you said. Um, and, and there's perhaps there's something also to allowing him to DH a little bit more and just focus on the bat. Um, and ra- rather than having to go out and occasionally play left field or first base, um, and just focus on the hitting side of things and trying to get that right. Because um, obviously it has been a struggle, despite the fact that he, as I mentioned, was able to get a base hit tonight. 
um, an infield hit. He still he still is only hitting uh, 181 uh, on the season, 216 on base percentage. It's just it's not good enough, and we've seen him drop in the odor because of it too. So you know, hitting uh, what was it? Hitting sixth tonight. So uh, or excuse me, hitting seventh tonight. So, you know, th- that's the kind of thing that's going to happen when you're struggling, obviously. But um, I, I, I tend to think that allowing him to just focus on hitting, whether that's in the DH spot or getting the occasional day off, is something that Brandon Hyde will try to do. And, and it sounds like they're going to stick it out with him for, for the time being. Um, <clears throat> and that's especially the case when you've got, like I mentioned, Santander on the shelf right now and, and you know, Freddie Galvis is, is, is missing time. Not that they play the same position, but there are – there's there's a need in this lineup, obviously, for for something. And I think at this point, Ryan Mountcastle still gives you that uh, that ability to run into one. But as you mentioned, the warning track power that he's he's displayed is, uh, you know, it's been frustrating. But but it's one of those things that for a rookie, even though he came up last year, uh, is is certainly something something to watch out for. And and I'll tell you, I've got another thought, too. So, you know. I say it and I've heard other people say it as well. Other podcasters say it as well is, you know, why don't we try Mount Castle at second base? Because we don't have a second baseman right now. Um, I want to go ahead and calm myself uh, basically because there's no need to go ahead and put a kid somewhere where he's not necessarily comfortable, excuse me, put a player where he's not necessarily comfortable um, when he's already struggling up at the plate. Now, if he was hitting 300, if he was hitting 330, he's already got seven home runs. Um, then maybe we can talk about putting him over at second base and trying him out over there because, again, you go ahead, you look at this lineup and what we have, we have an outfield. Um, you know, depending on what happens with Trey, we have a first baseman. So we don't have a second baseman. There's no second baseman in the wings uh, with the exception of Gunnar Henderson, who's probably about two or three years out. Um, so we do need to find a solution there. But, again, kind of telling myself this, but everybody needs to calm their jets. And, um, you know, it, we're not going to put him at second base right now. He needs to straighten out his bat first before we even start thinking about that. No, there's, there's no question about that. And, and it's interesting. Second base was, um, a, t- a hot topic in spring training. We talked on the number of birdland tonight, kind of warm up shows that we had leading up to the season during spring training about just about the second base position in general, when it comes to not the, not even the 2021 Baltimore Orioles, but the Baltimore Orioles at large going forward and, and, and what second base would look like for me. It's not one of those things that is necessary to rush into because you are eventually going to find that whether it is Gunnar Henderson or whether it is, you know, a shortstop that the Orioles draft this season or next season, um, all of these guys that, that are the top, you know, young players, top young shortstops, they don't always tend to to turn out to be shortstops. They become third baseman or second baseman, or they move them to left field or first base. So um, those guys that are all, you know, quote unquote shortstops, that get drafted as shortstops, you know, well over half of them end up playing a different position. And one of those guys that the Orioles happen to draft in the next few seasons will end up being their second baseman long-term, or at least that, that would be my plan. So, I'm not fretting about, you know, not having a quote unquote second baseman on this team right now. Um, I think Rio Ruiz is obviously not doing the job with the bat either, uh, hitting 145, even even uh, almost 40 points lower than Ryan Mountcastle at this point. So he's obviously not the answer. Um, but, you know, 
obviously for the short term, it's just plug and play. It's, it's, it's Roman Urias. It's Pat Valeka. It's real Ruiz. It's whoever ends up going over there on a given day. Um, and you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think you burden Ryan Mount Ryan Mountcastle with that kind of thing. Um, just yet. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break, just a short break. If you're, if you're listening live, uh, stay with us and we're going to come back and uh, there's, there's one more thing I want to touch on from this game regarding the Yankees. And then we'll look ahead to tomorrow as well. We'll be right back here on Birdland tonight. Welcome back into Birdland tonight, recapping this seven nothing loss for the Orioles tonight to the uh, to the Yankees at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in front of an announced crowd of seven thousand three hundred thirty eight, who uh, you know got to witness a pretty quick game. This was a, a two hour thirty three minute ball game tonight, which uh, I know you and I are happy about coming on here and being able to kind of wrap things up in a in a timely manner. <laughs> Um, but part of the reason that this game was so quick was, as we mentioned earlier, Domingo Herman just was lights out. Um, maybe got a somewhat favorable, uh, strike zone tonight. But the thing that I noticed from this game tonight, I think more than anything was, uh, Kyle Higashioka behind the plate instead of, of, of Gary Sanchez for the Yankees and the way that he framed pitches and received the, the pitches for Domingo Herman, I think that led to. Domingo Herman having an even better game than he could have. Um, and on, on the contrary, watching Pedro Severino and, and, and watching him attempt to catch the ball behind the plate for the Orioles and, and failing to do so. There was a, a wild pitch that got away from tonight. That was really in my estimation was a pass ball. Uh, it was just a ball that was low that he easily should have blocked. Um, saw a number of instances where Pedro Severino just didn't catch the ball. And this is not specific to this game. This has been a, a theme throughout the season. Um, and it's even been a theme, you know, when Chance Cisco is behind the plate. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the catcher position from a defensive standpoint. We mentioned defense earlier talking about, you know, the infield letting things down. The out- outfield defense seems okay for the most part. We did see DJ Stewart, uh, fail to catch a ball properly and allow a tag up from first to second tonight. That was a tough one, but defense for me, the, the, the real um, bugaboo for this team this season has been behind the plate and it's, it's, it's also hampering the pitching. So what, what have your thoughts been? I haven't, I haven't been on Birdland tonight to talk about this specifically, this element. And I know it's been a hot topic um, in, in amongst Orioles fans talking about just the catching defense. So I'm, um, I'm ready for Adley. <laughs> let's let, let let's just do it you know uh what, what was the thing say we'll do it live no um you know i thought severino played a decent left field today um you know the the fly ball that he uh yes that's true out there i thought, I thought that i'll be honest good. with you jimmy you had me puzzled there for a second i thought you were <laughs> <laughs> yes the, the catch he made in left field was, was a nice play so it, you, you know he he got his one and then the catcher uh for new york um uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. You can correct me on that one. Higashioka. I, I, I wrote it down phonetically for myself. So so I, I thought he made a fantastic catch as well. So he makes a catch yeah. that, uh, you know, and, and Jim Palmer and Kevin Brown pointed out that Gary Sanchez certainly wasn't going to make her. If he would have made, he would have gone ahead and crashed into the wall and ended up on the IL. Yeah. Uh, the difference between those guys 
clearly was night and day as far as calling the game and pitch framing and, as you said, just receiving the ball. Um, Cisco's no better than Severino. If we're not going to call up Rushman, uh, you know, let's get Austin Wins up here and let's give him a shot. Uh, and just give me somebody that can call a game. Give me somebody that can receive a pitch, that can catch a pitch. I'm just, I'm tired of seeing the bouncing balls. I'm tired of, we need something different behind home plate. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been tough to watch. I don't know that Austin wins is the answer either. We did, we did see uh, Severino leave this game tonight after that play that he made in, in shallow left field. I don't know if it was a related. I've been scouring uh, the Twitter sphere to find out if, if Severino left the game with any kind of an injury. Cisco did come in and relieve him in that final inning. Um, so we'll have to find out more about whether that is an injury or not. Um, and you know, with the day game tomorrow after a night game, I would expect that chance Cisco would be getting the start anyway, just to give Severino uh, a day off of his feet, but we will have to see what comes about that. And like you said, I, Austin wins is kind of, I guess the next man up we were, you know, we were talking a little bit before we came on the air tonight about who, who the heck else would be the options. Obviously no, nobody thinks that Adley Rutschman is getting called up, uh, anytime soon, but, um, it has been, it does make me, it does remind me, I suppose, um, as I watch Orioles baseball in 2021, that, you know, that is one element of this team and of this club that will at least improve once things, you know, once players start getting called up for the minors and once this team uh, actually starts trying to win baseball games from a, from a front office standpoint, at least, um, that Adley Rutschman will be around to become a better make make the catcher position better um obviously all these other parts of the team that that can improve we we can will 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 be talked about as well but the catcher position is at least one that we know there is somebody there who is is on the horizon to make it better but it is it has been a struggle watching um watching what has gone on behind the plate for the Orioles this season and like I said, we saw more of it tonight. There is some good, obviously. You mentioned the play that, that Severino made in left field. Um, but there's been just a whole lot of bad. And 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 it's it's especially tough because it looks just nonchalant back there, especially in, in terms of receiving the ball and, and actually catching the ball or blocking balls in the dirt. It looks I, – I don't want to use the word lazy, but it looks nonchalant from both, both Severino and Cisco. It has not looked good. Um, from a, just from an effort standpoint, I'm not saying that, that catching is easy. Don't get me wrong. It's perhaps one of the toughest positions to play in all of sports. Um, be, be just the beating that you take and the equipment that you're wearing and being in a crouch position for, for nine innings. It's, it's a difficult position to play. Um, but it, it has looked nonchalant from both guys for the season. And that has been kind of tough to stomach. It's especially tough because as you're watching a baseball game, what are you looking at the whole time? You're looking at the catcher. So you, you're kind of seeing everything that the catcher does. Um, the catcher is, you know, a, a super important and, and centralized focus of the game. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, that we'll have to kind of <laughs> grin and bear until we do eventually get Adley Rushman, which I still kind of don't think will happen this season. Uh, we may see it happen later in the season in September, but I tend to think that that is something that doesn't happen until next, uh, probably April or May would be my guess. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm counting down the days till September as we speak. 
Yeah, we all are, even though it is as we look. Oh, April 28th. Not uh, not even close. But um, tomorrow we have Jorge Lopez taking the mound, making his fifth start of the season, his second against the Yankees. He will take on the left-hander, Jordan Montgomery. It is the finale of this four-game series. It is a 4.05 p.m. start uh, from Oriole Park. Uh, Orioles now 10-14. and 14. What are you looking for from, from, from Jorge Lopez uh, for, for tomorrow? Obviously, it hasn't been great for him either. This Orioles starting rotation is just trying to get more innings to bridge to that bullpen, which has been pretty good. Um, but what are, you, what are you looking for from him and his start? So I'm looking for a bounce back. Say I, uh, you know, I'd honestly given given up on Jorge Lopez after his first couple starts and, you know, they were a little bit rough and then all of a sudden he comes back and he has a great start. And then all of a sudden he has it, you know, it, it's inconsistent. So I just, I want to see, you know, four, four innings, maybe one run, five innings, one run, something like that. Five innings, two runs, you know, give me something, something, just an average start. Get us to our uh, bullpen. We only used what three guys from the bullpen tonight. Um, get us to the bullpen and let's get through this game. Say the big thing that I want to see is I want to see run support for Jorge Lopez. Um, if the bats come out swinging, I think that's going to give him some confidence. Let him go on there and just continue to do his thing, attack the strike zone, uh, because that's what you need to do with these Yankees hitters. You just need to go up there and you can't be timid against them. You've got to go ahead and attack the strike zone. And if he goes ahead and gets some run support, I think that he can do that. Yeah, the, and obviously the Orioles facing Jordan Montgomery, a left-hander. That's something that with with so many good right-handed bats in the lineup, perhaps there's an opportunity to do that. I know that uh, Kevin Brown mentioned that on the broadcast toward the end, that they the Orioles will be seeing some left-handers in the coming days. They, of course, uh, take on the Yankees and Montgomery tomorrow. Then they head out west to face the Athletics. I know that Sean Manaya is, I believe, scheduled to pitch on the weekend, another left-hander, so... Um, we will see some West coast baseball this weekend, but, uh, before that it is, like I said, the finale tomorrow, four Oh five at Oriole park, uh, with Jorge Lopez and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, we will be with you after that game tomorrow, Jimmy, before we get out of here, tell us what you guys got going on over at Bleacher Birds. So, uh, over at Bleacher Birds, uh, aforementioned, say we got into a deep conversation of, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, um, essentially Ryan Mountcastle almost versus Austin Hayes. Um, I am a big, uh, big proponent, big supporter of Austin Hayes, uh, Ryan Mountcastle. I want to see do well, but he's just not doing it right now. And we get into a large conversation, a long conversation about uh, whether or not sending him down to Bowie is the right move or not. So what have, uh, what have you got going on? Good debate to be had. Uh, Utah Shoot Report for all of my stuff. Uh, you can read there. I wrote recently about uh, the retirement of Nick Markakis and about uh, the all-star game movement and why uh, folks folks got their hopes up uh, for that coming to Baltimore, and that was never going to happen. Wrote about that a little while back as well. You can check my stuff out there. Uh, until tomorrow, when the guys will be back with you here on Birdland tonight, uh, for, for Jimmy, I've been Andrew. Thanks for so much for watching. Orioles lose it 7-0 to the Yankees. We will be back tomorrow for the series finale here on Birdland tonight. Go O's. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.